Hey, Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Worrelow, and I have a great guest lined up for you today. Now, this podcast, it's about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional, and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guests, I want to ask a favor. It won't take a minute, and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to and subscribe and leave a rating and review? It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can, and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Okay, are you ready to be inspired? Because today, our guest on the podcast is Leanne Mallory. Now, Leanne began her career as an executive coach in 2005, working with leaders and teams around the globe. Yet she soon found something was missing, the body. As the founder and CEO of Leading in Motion and sister firm Guts and Grace Leadership, she spent the last 15 years helping leaders combat both meaning depletion and burnout by bridging the gap between the hard driving logical mind and the deeper wisdom of the soul. Her women's embodied leadership curriculum offers a concrete, actionable doorway to greater power, ethics, influence, and impact at work. Her new book, Guts and Grace, A Women's Guide to Full-Bodied Leadership, was published by Conscious Capitalism Press in January 2020. And the title for our conversation today is Leading the New Paradigm with Guts and Grace. So with that, I'd like to introduce Leanne. Welcome, Leanne. Thanks, Jane. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm excited for our conversation today. I really am. And, um, you know, we've known each other for a few years now. And as I've got to know more and more about your work, it's really kind of got me excited about everything that you're bringing to the world. So I can't wait to share you with our Sacred Changemakers community. Now, before we go into our, our title, you know, our uh, listeners have listened to your professional bio. And I wonder if you could just give us a little peek behind that professional bio and tell us a little bit about the woman who lies behind that. Who's she? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, Jane, is she's a dancer, which is so silly maybe to say to this community. But um, much of what I do today, I think, really got born when I was young and when I was trying to figure out how I was going to marry the head and the heart or the head and the body parts of myself. Um, I really grew up as a person who was very, let's say, interested in, I would say, I just, I found a lot of joy in anything to do with movement, with voice, with sound, with being in the body, all of the stuff that you might say, kind of the, like the feminine arts maybe, but as a young person, I wanted to be a famous singer, actress, and dancer when I grew up. And pretty quickly, I discovered that um, to get ahead in the world, um, it was useful to use my really smart head <laughs> instead, or maybe in addition, but um, at first it was really the messaging was a lot like instead. So went to grad school, got some degrees, um, started working in a consulting firm doing leadership training, which I also really fell in love with. But um, at some point along the way, I just went like something is missing here. 
And that really led me on a pretty deep journey of discovery over the last 10, 15 years of like reweaving myself back together so that I could start a conversation with a group of change makers by saying, I'm a dancer and I'm a pretty rad executive coach. Um, and those things go in the same sentence. And I think that's a lot of what we're probably going to talk about today. That sounds great. It really does. And I love the way you just say it in such an offhand way, <laughs> um, these different parts of yourself. But you said something there that really captured me. You said reweaving myself mm. back together. Can you just take us for a little walk for a moment about what was that about? What was that like? Oh, many things. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I started to say that this, um, in some ways, going to work, period, uh, taught me that there are certain parts of the self, myself, that get rewarded, that are what gets paid, that get um, attention, let's say, in the world, in the world as it is right now, or as it was uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And um, so not on purpose at all, but, and I think many of us do this, I would say I started to separate out these, these pieces, almost like, okay, this one gets to lead, this one has to sit in the back seat. Um, and, you know, to some extent, I think that also led me to get really tired, to get burned out. And what the putting it back together looked like initially was seeing examples of uh, mentors, people who were fully embodied, people who were, who somehow didn't, um, you know, didn't fit the mold, maybe didn't, were doing something a little different in the world, people who were disruptive, people who were um, holding more than one truth in some way that actually felt coherent. And mm -hmm. I started to kind of see that and go, oh, wait, wait, could I, could I be that too? And something in me really just started to light up. So one of my early mentors was Richard Strozzi Heckler, the founder of the Strozzi Institute Embodied Leadership School. And, you know, he had a PhD in psychology. He was doing executive level leadership development and coaching. And he also was a body worker and a martial arts, multiple black belt in Aikido, the martial art. And, you know, that all kind of made sense. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> I think that something about who I actually am or what I'm built for makes sense. And um, I, I'm not done. <laughs> I would say I'm like, I'm on a path still of figuring out how these pieces really play together. And, um, and I think that's so because the, the world is sort of built still such that certain pieces are honored, certain ones aren't. And yet we, I <laughs> want to be a person who lives in purpose. And if there's one thing that I've found out about purpose along the way is that it actually asks all of us. Uh, so then we have this conundrum, like I, um, I need to be all of me to be on purpose, but not all of me is necessarily going to fit. And what do I do? And I think, you know, really the last probably 10, 15 years of my life has been a journey of making sense for that for myself, almost like, you know, I think about working with clients. It's like, I'm, I'm seeing patterns because I'm working with so many different leaders, so many different people who are in this inquiry for themselves. And then I'm kind of like, two steps ahead on the path, being the person who's like, let me try that on. And then let me come back and let you know how that works. Or here I did this practice. Like, how about you try this practice too? And really that's how much of my evolution has happened. And I would say also much of the work I do today got born. Mm. And I, I love how you, you're really um, taking what in some ways could be seen as real depths of work here. And yet you're kind of 
it feels like you're bringing them together in it feels like unusual ways now there's a part of me that can look at this and say actually it makes perfect sense to me because i love your work i really do and then there's another part of me that can look at it and say actually this is quite different because it is embodied leadership and you know as we say in our title the new paradigm with guts and grace i'd love you to speak to what is the new paradigm that you would like to see in the world? I mean, what is it that you're taking a stand for, Leanne? I'm really taking a stand for a world that is more sustainable than the one that we have now. A world that's more, can I say this about the world? I think so. Like a world that's more coherent and actually that is more whole and each one of those are kind of maybe jargon that gets thrown around or things that get said. And then it's like, but as a teacher of embodiment and embodied practice and mindfulness and embodied leadership, I know that that is no small game to be in. That if we say, right. oh, we have systems or structures or organizations that are partly incoherent or that are not totally sustainable, um, to go from that to something that is more fully coherent is a really big game. Mm. Uh, I personally believe that we can't guide an organization or guide a system or a societal structure through a change that we don't understand in our own skin. Mm -hmm. And so much of my executive coaching or my training work that I do is helping leaders get a sense of what that actually means in their own embodiment and their own trajectory so that they can be a visible representative of that for other people and also in organizations to be able to go oh, I, I know this is possible because I've actually walked this path. I don't know what it will look like maybe for, you know, 100 people or 10,000 people in this organization, but I know from my own inside out experience that this kind of shift is possible, even if we just take the word sustainable, like what is it for a human, one individual human to live in a way that is sustainable, not like less footprint on the planet. Yes, that, but like my own energy is sustainable. And then we go, what's the hologram of that for a collective of people or an entire nation, for example. So I'm really into that conversation and right. it's probably not going to be something I solve in my lifetime, but I'm like, if I can be a, a way shower or a person who contributes to that, even being a conversation people are interested in, then I, I'm in a good game. Yeah. And your passion is tangible as you're speaking, <laughs> because I just noticed how kind of your, your tone of voice changed and you were really passionate about getting all of that out uh, in a <laughs> sentence, which was, it's just great to hear because it means I don't just hear you now. I feel you mm. as well when you're talking. Now you said something there that I just want to take us back to, which is you don't believe that, you know, we can, um, uh, inspire change in organizations unless we understand it in our own skin, right? So what does that mean? What does it mean to be coherent and understand, you know, a change or a transformation in our own skin? What does that mean? I want to amend what I said just slightly because I, okay. I definitely don't want to give any of our listeners the impression that you have to already be there to start. Right. Things. I don't right. think that's true. Um, I'm certainly not already there. It's much more of a, um, a progression or a journey. I do think you have to be interested and I think you have to be willing to pay attention to, um, you know, to bump into a place where you're not coherent and go, oh, I can see that. I'm willing to look at that. Um, maybe you've gotten through it. I certainly find as a coach that I can um, 
coach people through something that I've been through more easily than I haven't. And it's not entirely true that I can't coach someone on something I haven't done yet. So just to kind of give a little more nuance to that Mm -hmm. comment. Um, But I think it helps. And I think that um, to answer your question, what it means to me is that we've, we've walked the path of I mean, this is such overused language, but we've walked the path of paying attention to where we're not walking our own talk. We have um, noticed the ways that we don't get exactly the results that we want, or we get some results, but with byproducts that we don't really like. And we're willing to ask the question, like, could we do better? Um, and how, not just could we, but like, what would it mean to do better there? So like, I'm exhausted. This is a personal example, not necessarily me in this moment, but like an example of an individual, right? Like I'm exhausted and yet I still have more to do. What, how did I create that? Um, how could I uncreate that? If we look at an organization, that's like, okay, we're, um, producing these incredible products. They're selling really well, but there's all kinds of garbage that's being literally, you know, literally thrown out on the planet. Like, could we do better? What would that look like? And I think um, to some extent as a leader, it's like people trust someone when they don't think that you're just selling a, a bill of goods that's not really doable. And I think when people have seen that you've faced something hard in yourself, when people have seen that you've grappled with a not easy tension or a trade-off, or you've made sense and coherentized, that's not really a word, but it could be um, something that has been incoherent, um, that people are more likely to trust you because what it's going to ask of your teams, of uh, your stakeholders is a moment of let go, recalibrate, unravel, maybe things getting a little messy for a while to be able to have what you want on the other side. And if you can't tolerate that, no one will go with you. Or if, you know, people will have to tolerate that to go where you'd like them to go or where you'd like to see them go. I think we're seeing that right now in the, in our country, um, Mm. many countries probably, but certainly in the U.S. in a really big way of this, like, wait, we're not quite what we'd like to be. And then like the moment in the middle, which might be a really long moment is it's a lot to have. And we want leaders who, who seem to have uh, had to know something about that because it's not really charted territory. Yeah. Yeah. And you're speaking to something that I think is, is so important, especially right now, which is this uncharted territory that you're talking about. And, you know, as you're speaking and I, I'm kind of listening to you, I, I think everything that you're saying just makes so much sense and it, it makes sense to me in a, in a kind of a, a, a strange way. And what I mean by that is you're speaking to the future as, mm. as I see it, Leanne. Mm. And I'll, I'll tell you why I get a sense of that. And please correct me if I've got the wrong end of the stick with this, because I'm kind of taking this into my sense of the world, which is that, you know, very often leadership development, we're, we're kind of teaching, I'm going to call them, I don't know really, well, uh, we're te- teaching to a competence framework of some description. <laughs> and, and the thing about competences, these are things that we say we know you need to know in your job and uh, you need to know these things and they're very certain. They're like closed energetic systems. It's a bit like 
a particle in um, in Newtonian physics, mm-hmm. like we collapse it into particles so that we can almost put it on a pedestal and say, this is what we want from you. And mm-hmm. this is, if you do it this well, we'll give you four stars. And if you do mm-hmm. it this well, three, two, one, mm-hmm. right, going down. Now, what you're talking to is the complete antithesis of that. This is what mm-hmm. I notice because you're talking about an iterative process, mm-hmm. which is more like a wave. It's mm-hmm. much more like quantum. It's not showing up and saying, I know everything you need to know. It's just I maybe a few steps ahead of you on the process. And although, you know, what we're trying to get here is coherence within your own system of self. And then we're trying to align that with what's needed in your leadership role. And so what I was hearing you talk about was much more about a wave, which is, you know, not always, there's, there's no particles there. We're not certain because a wave can deal with uncertainty by collaborating with other people, by collaborating with different parts of yourself and finding from that inside out perspective that I know you work with you can start to find a way into the unknown and the uncertain and the uncharted territory without having to have clearly defined the way first, because that somehow makes it smaller. (laughs) Or it makes it not work. I'd love to (laughs) weigh in on this. Um, One of the earliest things that I used to say about my work when I was just still trying to figure out how to even describe what I'm up to in the world is like, I'm not the coach. I would use contrast. I go, I'm not the coach that's going to teach you the top 10 things you need to do to be a good leader because it is a competency model and there's this whole thing about like what works and the the rest of the the rest of the story there right is like what works to get the same results we've gotten before but maybe more of them in the same kind of situations we've had before it's like everything about what we teach when we try to quote unquote teach leadership in this way is just a replication of what is which does nothing for us in a time of unraveling or chaos it does nothing for us if we want to create something that's different than what we've been creating right. to really actually change something. And so it, it becomes a bit like handcuffs in a way. Um, I'm not saying there's not a place for it. Certainly there is. And I think at a certain moment in one's career, at a certain stage of a business, it's like we absolutely need that kind of scaffolding. And what I'm talking about is learning how to listen. What I'm talking about is um, I did my master's thesis on a construct called practical wisdom, which is from the associates all the way back to Aristotle, but more recently in the positive psychology domain, it's like this idea of being able to do the right thing in the right moment as needed. And that requires both the will to do that. It also requires the skill to do that. And it requires that you're able to actually assess and sense and let go of maybe what worked in the past to show up for what's happening now and to, to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, uh, some people naturally are good at it. Other people aren't and it's learnable and it's not necessarily easy and it's not necessarily comfortable, but it's, I think one of the biggest leadership competencies, if we could call it that that's needed right now. And I think it's really underrated. Yes, I can absolutely agree with you. And I I love that you're speaking to the importance of listening. Um, And I think it was Mark Nepo who said, listening is the doorway to everything that matters in life and business. (laughs) And and I think it's so true. I really do think it is. And it's probably one of the most underutilized skills because we we don't put it on the pedestal. We don't see it in that way as being something that we can learn from 
I'm going to say signs. I know you know what I mean, but maybe I'll need to explain that a little bit. But like, if I, if I lean into my life, if I lean into aspects of business and my colleagues, if I lean into the industry, you know, or the markets or the economies in which I'm operating, if I lean into my family, I can start, my life will show me things that if I'm not listening deeply, mm-hmm. I'll completely miss. Yeah. And it's also the way I turn and this, this is a strange thing, but it's how I turn challenges, what appear to be challenges on one level into, and this sounds like a cliche, but opportunities. <laughs> so Doesn't many it? of these things do sound like cliches, <laughs> don't they, Jane? I was just going to say too, it's like you used the word collaboration, I think, earlier and yeah. listening, collaboration, turning opportunities into challenges, like we throw this stuff around yeah. and in practice, it's deep. Yeah. It is not a... It, it's not small, right? And it's like to go to go from the cliche to the actual depthful walking of this kind of way of being is a whole different ballgame. Mm. Um, and it's fun. And it's it's yeah. I don't know. It's like there's nothing else I'm I'm like that interested in spending time trying to learn right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I love how you say there's not that many things that I'm interested in trying to learn. And I love that you've put that normally as a coach, I would go, Oh, you said that trying word again, like this, the shoulds again. But there's a part of me that goes, that's exactly what we're doing right now. We're trying to learn where we're headed. We're trying to create a new future and a new world and a new paradigm. And actually, I don't think there's anybody in the world who's completely certain of what on how to walk that path right now. And so that feels exactly right that you say, trying because it's iterative of course it's you know one step forward and then we learn from that and then we take the next step and we know a little bit more as Maya Angelou said well we know better we do better so let me ask you because I love our title leading the new paradigm with guts and grace so tell me why guts why grace (laughs) oh my goodness um (laughs) I mean, to some extent, this comes back to practical wisdom, which is um, the right thing in the right time and as needed. And most of us are better at one or the other of those, especially women. So I do a lot of coaching with women. I tend to see, I think you may have said something similar, like it seems like women are either really interested in the change that might want to happen right now, or like, I don't know, willing to play or or have puzzle pieces. I, I tend to believe that Uh, women have some puzzle pieces that have just been suppressed for a while and need to come forward. Mm. But um, most of us are, are maybe more versed at one or the other side of that coin. So for me, guts is like, um, I also will use the word grit. That's a psychological construct. Now that's gotten a lot of attention. It's like the the powering through the make it happen. It it feels more masculine to me and um, it's wildly, revered in our society right now like this idea of grit or guts that's like i can make it happen Um, we we really reward that way of being Um, and yet some of us haven't majored in that and it's not our thing and that's fine Um, we will need some of it though to be able to get through what's coming and then grace is more like the surrender the let go if we're talking um like yang and yin right it's the yin it's the the other side of that coin it is the Um, the place where things get empty before something actually gets created, or it's the place where God or spirit or um, whatever you believe in also comes in to collaborate with you. Here's this word collaborate again. Mm -hmm. So the um, 
it's the place where it's not just our will. The guts part is like, this is me. It's like, I'm driving. And then the grace part is like, oh, I'm not the only one driving. There is a sense of being with um, in that for me. And uh, most of what I find, I say this when I teach, I run a year long women's course. Uh, that's a combination of coaching and training, and it's all embodiment and mindfulness practice. But at the beginning, I really speak about guts and grace as the foundation. And I'll often say something to the effect of, um, you know, most of us are either good at one or the other, or we're using the wrong ones in the wrong moment. Uh, so in the moment, we should be like allowing for grace, we're actually getting more goody and vice versa. And if you can actually get the right balance of that and kind of learn your own system as to what your defaults are, and when maybe something different than what your default is needed, that will completely change your leadership, um, really make a lot of things possible that weren't possible before. And I think also in some ways, if we look at our society, it's like we've doubled down on, um, you know, uh, growth forever and making things happen and, you know, always having the answers and being able to uh, to give our our um, our stakeholders infinite ongoing returns that never drop and all of these things that are like grit 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 and um, and I love grit and I think uh, you know if you look at more Eastern philosophy you see there's this sense of again kind of the the in breath and the out breath and uh, also the emptying out that's part of how a system needs to happen so. Um, I want us to be in balance. I want us to be, again, I'll use this word whole, um, that we can have both of those things, not that we've only majored in one or the other, so that, again, listening, we can respond to what's actually needed in the moment accurately. Mm. It's all about, for me, accuracy. Um, this, is the, this is the move that is really <laughs> the thing that, that is actually what's needed here, not just um, what I think I should do, right? Not what I'm trying to do, to use your word again in my word. Um, but really like this is, there's a precision to it that I, I believe as change makers, as human beings, when we can get really good at that, that's when you look at a leader and go, wow, they're really on the spot. There's really something about them. Um, and, and I think there are less costs then. There's always costs. We always make mistakes, but um, I believe the more accurate we can get with regards to when and how we use each of those pieces, there's less fallout. And I think we need that right now. Oh gosh, do we need that right now? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it's so interesting because as you were speaking then, I just completely found myself in what you were talking about with Guts and Grace. And, and I just found myself reflecting on my own life and leadership and realizing that and so I wanted to ask you about this because I just wonder if this is something you've come across with, with other people or whether I'm just weird, maybe, I don't know, which is that I've got a feeling that my, so when you, if you were to ask me, which is my strongest guts or, or grace, I actually would give you a different answer today than I would have done maybe six months ago. Right. Mm, I believe that <laughs> it's really interesting because I think now when I look back, I feel like I started in grace, right. Mm. As a child. Mm. And I was, I, I felt like life was sac There was something sacred about life. I wasn't particularly interested in, in religion. Um, but yeah, I felt that I, I definitely knew what, what the sacred was, what spirituality was and that there was something larger than life. Let's put it that way. I knew that. And then 
very early on, I think, particularly at school, I learned guts because I learned how to perform in ways that people around me would like. I think it's probably the best way of describing it. And so then I learned the guts. I learned the will. I learned and went into business as a, a young woman and found myself in a lot of male dominated environments. And so that was where from the men in my life, I really learned guts and I, I kind of learned it well, so well, I would say that there was a point in my life where I would have said that was my essence really was, was guts, you know, give me something I can make it happen kind of thing. And only fairly recently have I come back full circle to now integrating grace again into my life with the launch of sacred change makers and this word sacred has shifted everything for me now Mm, yeah because i play with the grace even inside of the guts (laughs) like what's what's like if i was i don't know if i was doing a piece of work or writing an evaluation an assessment report for a client or whatever it was If I put the word sacred in front of that and I hold the sacred space and the energy around what it is I'm doing or or being, then it's really interesting because I get intentional and there's a whole different energy that goes around what I do. Mm. And I'm wondering if, is that the integration? Because I I can see the old flip-flop from guts Mm -hmm. to grace Mm -hmm. in the past and I'm starting to wonder whether there's an integration that's possible here mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where there is grace in the guts and there's guts in the grace. Is that what you're talking about when you speak about leaders who've, who've really done their work and are really spot on, on point and spot on? I think so, Jane. And I really appreciate your, your own sharing there. I mean, I think when I met you, um, I know what you mean, right? And then because <laughs> yeah, you, you know me, <laughs> right? But but also you didn't fool me either. Like the grace was totally there. You just weren't talking about it quite as loudly. <laughs> I've actually seen you are so right. You as as quite integrated more than most, and then but like kind of overemphasizing one or the other. And I think yeah. in some ways this, like for you, reclaiming sacred, it's yeah. like reclaiming words that might be like. <gasps> the the triggering word or the charge word um, sometimes brings us back. For me, one of the words yeah. was weird and the other was dancer. And to have right. started our interview that way, I think it, it's kind of sweet. It brings me a bit full circle, like to be able to say to a, a potentially corporate or, you know, more sort of business facing audience, oh, I'm a dancer. It's like that says something about me. And for you to use the word sacred, it's yeah. like I'm claiming the the integration or the marriage. In practice, I don't know. I mean, I think there are moments when I really get a very good blend of both at the same time. And I think, you know, there are different moments where I'm like, oh, I need to like be 70, 30 or, you know, have, have more of one lead than the other. And um, for me, it's a bit like, um, you know, painting. <laughs> it's like, let me, let me, I, I, I feel like there's a Picasso quote that's about like learning the rules and then breaking the rules. It's like, what, what, which, what combination of colors will be the, the right amount of each of those things in any given moment. And that's, I think, why I said earlier, um, you know, I trying to learn, it's like there's a deep path of mastery of being able to work with both and work with them in an integrated way or in a way that kind of moves between them in a, in a fluid way, doesn't get stuck along the way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess having talked that out, I think um, one can be embodying both at once and then also, um you know, more or less at different times as needed. And I just love that you're using this word now. Mm, Yes. Thank you. And thank you for that. Really. 
But there's something else that you've just said now that has really almost liberated my view of leadership in a way, which is that you feel able to express yourself as a dancer in corporate environments, right? Now, I've been in corporate environments for, God, I don't know how many decades, right? But what you're speaking to now is, and I think there is a, a growing awareness around this in leadership, which is like cre- creative expression, like being human, just mm. being who you really are. And that's now, more, I'll say more allowed, because there are still some spaces where I'm sure it's not allowed. But um, it's more allowed now that we are able to be authentic. I mean, it's one of those cliche words again, that's overused, but you know, there is a growing, I would say even a hunger for us to be able to liberate our true selves, our truth mm-hmm. inside of organizational structures. Is that something you notice? Absolutely. For sure. As I work with individuals, again, I work a lot with women. I also work with men. Usually the men I work with are change makers of some kind or disruptors or innovators. And um, yeah, I mean, I I see, feel, sense and hear about this longing for um, to not have to compartmentalize often people will say, or that somehow all of me is welcome here. And, you know, it starts to show up in the burnout conversation or like the resilience conversation often. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I want to also be able to like honor my family, but the truth is, and this is really what I learned from embodiment and embodied leadership work in particular, is that um, it's it it's like you can't have full purpose without that either. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you know maybe we we suffer the consequences in our energy or our our um, you know again this this burnout thing. But ultimately, um, it's not like a, you know, go, go to the spa conversation. It's like, a, wait, what part of me got lost along the way? Do I need to bring back? And then suddenly, wow, I'm, I'm interested in different things. I love different things. I, I, I see different possibilities. So um, I don't think you can do real resilience or quote unquote wellness work without, um, if you include your body, without starting to pull up something that's an even deeper well. And um, yeah, I think we're, we're craving that. I also think that if I can say this, that our organizations and our societal structures as entities, as beings themselves are also craving this. So when I work with a few people or a lot of people inside of an organization, I see the same thing. Like it's a, it's a hologram to me that an organization has a soul and an original purpose that it may have gotten born with in some way, whether or not the founder was fully clear about that is sometimes they were, and then things got lost along the way. And sometimes they actually weren't. It was just an intuition that never fully got formed. And even right now, I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, calling for organizations to be more sustainable or, um, you know, what's happening with the pandemic, asking organizations to reinvent themselves. And um, I, I deeply believe actually that there's a, potential, it's like a potentiality of any system, including the United States of America, that is the the most possible integrated exalted version of that being, that in just the same way a human soul will come forward and say, wait, there's more here, that that can happen. Now it's a pretty big collective project to to give birth to that or to allow space for that or to, to sort of doula that. Um, but I think that's also 
kind of part of what's happening right now. I'm not actually even sure what question you asked, but <laughs> I, hope <that> was, <laughs> I hope that was somewhere near the direction of where you were hoping we would go. <laughs> it totally is. And you're speaking to something else now that I think is, is also really important, which is you talked about um, when you said in the burnout resilience conversation, you can't have full purpose. And then later on, you went on to talking about organizations with soul and original purpose. Mm. So I'd love you to speak to the role that purpose plays in kind of the new paradigm that we're trying to help leaders kind of co-create or collaboratively create with Guts and Grace for the future. Mm, this gets edgy for me. Um, I think yeah. I have to use nature metaphors because um, I think my truth, and I don't say this often, but I say it here, is I do believe in original purpose. I do believe that a human being comes into a lifetime uh, with something that is the, I don't know, highest potentiality. Um, many of us never get there. <laughs> Maybe it's just a possibility but um, that there's a more of a remembering that is becoming who we are than that of figuring out or a creating or inventing. And, um, you know, I think I, I believe ideas, which are, well, I don't know which comes first, the, the being that is something like the United States of America or the idea in the head of the person who um, may have come up with it in the first place, but that there's, there's like a blueprint, almost like a seed, right? That is the... Mm the fullest potential and then just like a seed might um, get planted and start to grow and then you know there's a tornado or a fire or something else kind of gets in the way or you know another tree grows next to it so it ends up growing a little bit sideways we become some slightly less um, close to the original blueprint version of whatever we're to be um, i've worked with leadership inside of organizations enough time to see that um, it's like if you listen deeply enough, you can almost hear that there's, there is that highest version possible. Mm. And, you know, what has it go awry, not awry, what has it become something a little different than that many things? Um, some would say greed. I don't use that word a lot, but, um, you know, a drive for, for more that stops listening, for example, uh, uh, you have an organization that becomes a little less ethical along the way because a certain number of stakeholders need to see a certain kind of return, but that's not really what the seed needs or would actually do naturally in that moment. Um, and so I guess I, I do believe and tend to work with people and organizations in such a way that holds the assumption that there is this kind of like original blueprint. And mm -hmm. in a moment of reinvention, often the question is like, um, what would be some percent closer to that? Mm. What would, what's, uh, and of course, an organization is made up of people. So it's like, what's the longing in the field? What's the longing among, among the people? Or what's the longing in the marketplace, uh, actually, that this organization could, uh, could grow more closely to or respond to uh, to become more of itself. So I have to ask you now, what's the longing in your field right now? <laughs> Myself or my organization? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, 
I guess yourself, because if we're, if I, if I'm really wanting to get to know you, what you do is part of that, but I think that your doing will emanate from what you're longing for, won't it? I do. I think that's true. It's so edgy to answer that, Jane. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, the way it lives in me at the moment is visibility, but I think what that really um, amounts to is that I'm not shy about answering the kind of questions you're asking me. Right. Um, because in some ways, I I would say what I believe, what I know is that I'm, you know, one person on the planet right now who's meant to say those things to get people interested in the possibility of those things, whether they're true or not, right? We won't know till right. hindsight is 2020, we won't know till we get there if it mattered. But um, that there's a, just in me, it's more of like a longing for, um, for listeners, I think, and to be in these kinds of conversations, conversations that create um, change or conversations that start to shape the world or what people see as possible or get curious about. Um, so that really at the moment and having just written the book, um, the truth is I, I wrote the book, we published it January, 2020. And I, I really went into a depression for about probably six weeks after it came out. Um, and I, I know myself well enough to know that that was my system going, oh no, <laughs> we don't want that kind of visibility, but actually we do. <laughs> Uh, so my own contending with that has been to be patient and to um, to get more familiar with what it is that I'm afraid to say uh, and what it is that um, might want to come through me. And, you know, we, we haven't used the word feminine yet, I don't think, maybe just once in this conversation, but I think I am a... Um, I don't have the best word... Uh, like a symbol or a, a mouthpiece, I don't know, something for um, some aspect of what's gotten suppressed that wants to be heard again, wants to be valued again, really. Uh, and, you know, that does have a lot to do with spirit and art and uh, something a little bit softer, but also very powerful and just like a different way of moving this grace piece, I think. Mm. Um, and, there was a moment not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, I don't know, you and I might be on a similar timeline where it's like, oh, that would put my livelihood at risk, or that would put my um, business at risk, or maybe many, many centuries ago, that would put my <laughs> life at risk, uh, or maybe still would. And nonetheless, um, now's the time. So that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just listening to you there speak about, um, you know, and thank you for being so like open and and transparent with the fact that, you know, you published a a great book and then, and then felt depressed afterwards. Cause I think some of these shadow sides of, of leadership and business, we don't often talk about them. Mm. And so for a lot of individuals, when they, when they hit these spaces, these more negative, heavier spaces, you know, we think we're the only ones. And so I think I'm sure there's somebody listening that that will have really resonated with. And I'm sure, you know, be inspired by that, you know, you can do great things. And in the next moment, you can feel, you know, down for whatever reason. So I just want to thank you for that, because I think it's really important. We speak to the whole of our experience and not just, you know, the 
the bits that we're happy to shine the spotlight on. So I think that's really important. You're, you're welcome. And actually, I'd love to just say one of my mentors who works really deeply with the feminine, we could say, um, you know, her reflection was interesting to me, which was um, literally it's just another example without adding a lot of meaning like of that emptying out that um, I had exerted so much energy to create the thing that maybe there was just a moment of fallow that was needed. And yeah. um, I use the word depression. I experienced it that way to some extent, but I also just experienced it as like dark and empty. And we don't have a lot of context for dark and empty and how that works and like what, what how that fits into your business model, right? So I know it's helpful. And it just reminds me, I used to have a, a phenomenal business mentor and she used to say to me, Jane, you've got to remember that there are seasons to everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And as soon as you've, you know, like you've had summer, then we get autumn and then we get winter oh. and winter. So this was before Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> she used yeah. to say to me and like yeah and it's and it's so true we we do need to respect our own kind of systemic seasons that we go through and we can't just run away every time winter's there you know there are things we can learn from that which I'm not telling you you know I'm teaching you to suck eggs you know all this stuff <laughs> so, but you but we're all listening and yeah. it needs to be said and um I think there's a practical piece too, which um, you're highly practical and I love this about you, but I want to say it out loud too, which is, and we need to build our businesses Mm -hmm. in such a way that can withstand that because I'm all for, you know, going down and being in the winter and weathering it and getting dark, but who's going to pay my bills while I'm doing that? And if I run a billion dollar business, who's going to pay my employees while I'm doing that? We have made choices about how we've built business that requires ongoing growth and doesn't actually create the opportunity for that to be possible. So that's an interesting mindset shift. Um, I've actually been working a little bit with a system called Profit First, which is very different than it sounds, but it's, it challenges the, some of the paradigm around, um, you know, always investing so much back into the business that we're always at our edge as a business. And I think many businesses now that we're doing that are suffering and Um, there's a lot of reflection and recalibration around that. And if we were to say, well, there, there are going to be these winters, it's one thing again, to kind of say it, right. It sounds cliche, but the practice of it asks some different choices along the way to make space for that. Right. Right. Thank you. So I'm just watching the time Mm -hmm. and, uh, I just want to say, you know, finally, if there was something you wished we'd get to today something you'd want to share with our listeners what might it be listen to women (laughs) (laughs) no i love the way you whispered that i'm gonna ask you to say it boldly (laughs) um i i guess i we talked about this a little before we began but i um I happen to believe, I think with some grounded evidence, given that I coach a lot of um, potentially very disruptive women who may not be fully in their disruptive states yet, uh-huh. um, or are, <laughs> but I, I believe that women or, or people who are courting the feminine in some way um, in their business practices have some ideas Uh, maybe like hunches, intuitions, see bits and pieces of what could be needed 
uh, what could make the future work, uh, if I can say it that way. And I think it's time to listen. And if you are one of those people, it's time to take more risks and to speak a little more loudly um, and, and or to do the inner work you need to do to get out of your own way to be able to do that. Um, I have about 23 women I'm coaching right now, and many of them are holding a piece of the puzzle for the birth of the next iteration of their organizations. Not all of them are heard for that. Not all of them are able to fully, you know, make it happen there. Um, so there's a, there's a, there's something going on. Um, but I think also if you look at the world right now, some of the women in leadership um, positions in different countries just making really different kinds of choices, bringing innovative ideas and ways of doing things forward. I think it's time. And that is not a knock to men. Uh, we can listen to men too. I think um, it's much more about a way of thinking or a way of being than it is what gender you are. And um, we know there's a lot of complexity around gender as well. So it's really just like for a whole bunch of years, we've built systems that only honored part of who human beings are. And um, mostly I just go, something's wanting to rebalance. Let's listen. Yeah. Beautifully said, really. <laughs> Thank you, Leanne. Oh my gosh. I really enjoyed our conversation. I could speak to you all day. I really do. <laughs> but I know our listeners will have learned so much just from our short conversation today. So thank you so much for stopping by with the podcast. Okay, listeners, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to remind you that all the resources and links for our guests are in the show notes at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing community of changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. We're a network of people committed to making the world a better place. We support each other to grow personally and professionally. And together, we're making a direct impact aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, all visible on our website. So if you're interested, I invite you to take a look and get free access to our popular program, Awaken the Changemaker Within. It's time to build a bridge from what you want in life to include what the world needs from you. Together, we can make a meaningful difference. Again, you can find us at sacredchangemakers.com. And if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening, for your intention and efforts to make our world a better place. Until next time. Lots of love.